Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need to keep up with my teens this summer without sweating high cell phone bills. Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. We have plans to fit all your family's needs starting at just 25 bucks on the nation's best 4G LTE network. I won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like arguing about curfew. Discover the Total Wireless stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in L.A. Refer to the latest terms and conditions of service at TotalWireless.com. Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Oh boy, and happy Monday, everybody. And I'd like to welcome my guests today to the show. They are the publishers of directories called Neighbor to Neighbor. It's Mara Schoner and Mark Yardis. Yardis, sorry, Mark. And I'd like to just welcome you to the show, Mara. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Marcia. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show for you as well today. Happy to have you both joining me. That's a great intro you have there. Oh, I thank you. You know, I, it's really a strong belief system. So thank you for saying that because those three C's are really what I'm all about, Alfie, except for adding <laughs> what's your story. Um, but I, so many times people will ask me, well, how do you go about getting your guests week after week? This is three and a half years worth of weekly shows. And in this particular instance, it was because of a woman that works now at the organization is called Westside Pacific Villages. Her name is Margarita Diciomoto, and she's the director of communications for them. Um, several years ago, the name of that organization was Westchester Playa Villa, Westchester Playa Vista, and Village, and it's a wonderful organization. And I had the director of that show, of that organization on my show a couple of years ago. But Margarita was so kind to reach out to me and say, you need to meet the folks from neighbor to neighbor. And that's how that started. And I just, I just always appreciate when people send me people that they feel have interesting stories. And that certainly describes you guys. And I thought before we'd actually get into what neighbor to neighbor is, um, let's just learn a little bit about you guys. And Mara, I thought we could start with you. And I'd just like to know a little bit about your backstory. Sure. Um, well, I grew up in Vancouver, Canada, and um, mm. I was raised by my dad up there, and my mom was in San Francisco. And so when I graduated high school and I wanted to get out of, you know, just to have a change and moved to San Francisco, um, went to uh, Berkeley, met Mark way back when, when I was 19. Um, mm. We were in the same neighborhood. He used to burn my bagels at the cafe where he was working up the street. <laughs> I love that. Don't, don't tell him how far back. <laughs> well, and then, we're going to guess. Yeah. yeah, and we yeah. both went to Berkeley. Um, I lived overseas for a while, and um, we, yeah, we both got 
to, into UCLA as well. So, um, and I've I've done all sorts of uh, all sorts of different jobs, and it's been an interesting uh, path for me. Um, but it's interesting mm-hmm. because I feel like everything that I've done has sort of contributed to where we are now and what we're doing. The the oddest jobs I had. I still recall the way that they, you know, contribute to who I am now and and what we're doing. So done everything from being a behaviorist for kids to working in the film business to teaching French to lots of things. So very see I like I said, you know, we could we could do a whole show. Sometime sometime I'm going to do this where the whole show will be devoted strictly to the story of the guest and maybe not even their passion, but just sort of their life mm. story, because you don't get to be at a certain age raising children, um, living in. I loved Vancouver. I was in Vancouver um, in June, um, getting ready to go on a, a, oh, a nice. princess cruise into Alaska. I, I want to go back to Vancouver. And is that they, they, is that where the French influence came from for you, or was there was well, was that my not dad, connected? Well, you have. It's it's technically Canada is a bilingual country, so you have to study it no matter where you are. But mm-hmm. it's not predominantly spoken in Vancouver. My dad's from Montreal, so he grew up, um, okay. but not totally bilingual. But um, I I just wanted to travel, and I ended up in France, and um, you know, Lovely. it was yeah. Quite a quite a story. So, Mark, not that I'm asking you to beat it, but it sounds like um, you don't know how to effectively toast a bagel, but maybe you were just gazing into a beautiful <laughs> woman's face and you forgot that the bagel was uh, burning over there on the side. But tell me a little bit about your background. It sounds like you met at Berkeley. Uh, that's right, yeah. Well, so I was born in the uh, very vibrant neighborhood of North Beach in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents were kind of uh, on the fringe of the beat movement. My dad was uh, a commercial fisherman and longshoremen, and my mom worked for the Associated Press. And uh, let's just say my dad was fairly irresponsible, and uh, my mom divorced him at the age of five. And I moved to the Midwest. <laughs> with a, she married a philosophy professor, and we moved to the Midwest. I lived there. I grew up mostly there. Finished high school at uh, Palo Alto High School, my last year of high school. And then I went to UC Berkeley, and, uh, well, my mom, my, my stepfather was a rather dark and creepy human being, and let's just say that um, I was kind of inspired by the assassination of, um, well, or, or the murder of John Lennon, um, who I looked up to at the time, to find my real dad, and um, sort of rediscovering him and learning that he had hung out with Jack Kerouac and all that. By the you know, a year later, I was hitchhiking across the country. I dropped out of the university, and I was just um, figuring I'd take what they now call a gap year, but it turned into five years. Um, I moved to New Orleans, fell in love with jazz music, moved back to San Francisco, met Mara, decided I should go back and finish up my first degree at UC Berkeley, and then fell in love with filmmaking and came to Los Angeles, <clears throat> like so many people. I got in the MFA program at UCLA and studied film directing. And then from there, I moved into motion picture um, audio post-production. 
and hmm. worked on various films. And along the way, kind of felt like I preferred to do, kind of own my own business, do more my own thing, and that kind of led us to Neighborhood Network. That's that's a fascinating. That's just a, that's just a great story. So it sounds like you guys have done a lot of different things. That probably makes you um, why you're so effective in your businesses. But what what actually brought you guys out to Los Angeles itself? Why why did you come out here, Mar? Were you guys already? Did you come here together as as a couple? Well, yeah, originally we both, like, I I wasn't sure that what I wanted to do, and then my father was a professor, and I thought, of what I think I'm going to become a professor. So we had both applied to UCLA. I had also applied to a university in, in, to Columbia, but I really liked the program at UCLA, and I um, so I applied. I was in a Ph.D. program, and I ended up um, just stopping at the master's degree. But then we were in L.A., and Mark was – finishing up his MFA and, um, you know, you become involved and entrenched and, you know, Mark's life uh, with film and stuff was in LA. So we ended up staying. Nice. It's, that's really, that's a terrific story. And I, and I think that it, it, like I said, it sort of leads you, as you mentioned so beautifully down a pathway. So for people that are not familiar with neighbor to neighbor, Mark, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about what Neighbor to Neighbor is? What is that directory that you put sure. together? Well, uh, Neighbor to Neighbor is a directory of uh, services, Los Angeles-based services, um, both small businesses and nonprofits. We consider them all to be services. And we started it in 2005, and uh, we have both print and online versions of the directory. Um, I'd say our first priority with Neighbor to Neighbor is to build a community based on trust. So unlike a lot of the other directories out there, we um, do everything we can in terms of screening the companies to make sure we feel comfortable recommending them. Um, Mm -hmm. And then there's also this neighborly ethic to what we do, which is, um, you know, we really view small businesses – as more than just kind of faceless companies. We um, photograph them, write about them, and try to capture the humanity of these companies, you know, the things that make them unique. Mm-hmm. And when you the, talk about companies, that, I mean, they're, they're, they're sort of broken down into categories, aren't they? So that yes. if people are so interested in a particular category, right, that that's, that's how – you would say if you were really you needed to find a, an attorney or you needed to find um, somebody that might you know fix your door or paint your bedroom or something like that. It, 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 there's many multiple categories in your directory. Is that right? Yeah, some more popular than others. I mean, I think people primarily look to it for home and garden services. Um, Okay. But we're always trying to expand our other categories like finance, as you mentioned, um, attorneys, mm-hmm. um, and the nonprofits, alternative again, health. which we consider. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah alternate, health. alternative health. That's a good one, too. Yeah. Well, I think it's really vital. And, and Mara, you do have a mission, right? What, what is the mission of your of, of Neighbor to Neighbor? 
Well, it's we were just talking about this, and it's interesting because um, you know we have sort of some uh, big ideas about our mission. <laughs> um, yes. So along the way, we've really um, realized that small businesses they see. I really think they deserve a lot more attention and support than they receive. You know, they provide about seventy percent of the nation's jobs. They're really the backbone to our, our, it's, it's incredible. I mean, you think about it, um, they may not, um, have the, um, marketing budgets of (laughs) the big corporations that seem like they have a lot more influence, but really they have a huge impact on our local communities and thus nationwide as well. And so, um, Mm -hmm. we feel as well that, you know, looking at the the micro and the macro, like the small businesses really make our local economies robust when they're healthy um, because those dollars are staying in the community. They invest back into the community. That's where they do their shopping. Um, and, um, and so one way that we try and do that is like, obviously we promote those companies, the really good community, community-based services that do a really good job. But we also, Based on the feedback from our readers, we try and help our hand-picked businesses troubleshoot when they, when it comes to customer service. For example, a lot of times we'll have really great um, carpenter or tile and stone restoration company or something like that, and they're fantastic mm-hmm. at what they do. But maybe when they go out of town for two weeks, they no one ever told them they really need to put an outgoing message that says, "I'll be back in two weeks. I'm out of town." <laughs> you know, so then they. <laughs> They, just little things like that. So we try and help them. Um, like they're really good at what they do, and we try and help them just formulate a, a stronger customer service um, approach to their customer service. And um, let's see. Um, and we try and I'm, encourage. Yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. Let me let you because I had a question, but I wanted you to finish your thought first. Well, I was just going to jump in there really fast, Mara, and say, yeah, go ahead. Jump in and say that, yeah, we hear from readers when somebody forgets, leaves on vacation, and doesn't answer their, you know, put a proper outgoing message in there. So a lot of what we're doing is is working as a go-between and just communicating. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, go ahead, Mara. We're so we're also trying to find ways that the nonprofit and the small business communities can come together and support each other. And it's sort of like mm-hmm. the old-fashioned thing where in the old days you had the little league and you would have, um, you know, say the the uniforms are um, have the name of the um, whatever the diner down the street or something like that. And so that that's the way the little league got their uniforms is because the the diner got to advertise on the backs of the the kids or whatever. You know, so this is this idea of like those companies and the nonprofits supporting each other and we're finding ways to update that model for the 21st century. And then finally, we're always looking at ways to encourage um, environmental and social causes and practices so that LA becomes a better place. So, you know, we've, we've devoted pages to, for example, gray water and what is gray water or non-toxic pest control and why is that so important and things like that. So we're always trying to educate and, and strengthen those, those ideas. Um, yeah. For LA. I think that's so marvelous and it's really interesting. I'm sitting at my desk um, you guys are sitting in, in, in separate rooms, and we're talking together, t- talking on the phone. And I have this little case on, on my desk, and it has 
business cards in it. And even though I have all of those things into my contacts, I keep cards. And I I had, along with many of my friends, a fabulous computer guy that would come to your house Ah. and make a call, right? And Uh we all used him. And but he outgrew doing that personal service because his job, his day job, so to speak, became larger than it just took over. He had a family and he just couldn't also support the community. So it was only in talking to one of my neighbors and I said, who do you use? And and so sometimes we as neighbors speak to neighbors and I was able to get his computer guy because there are many of us out here that really could use that hands-on support. And I think what, what you're doing and what I think is the emphasis of what you're doing is that you've already vetted out. You already know that, gee, Marcia, if you're looking for a computer service person, well, guess what? We happen to have some listed. Or, gee, Marcia, you say your sliding glass door isn't working well and it's too hard for you to operate. We know somebody. Oh, guess what? you still have an old floor furnace in your house that was built in 1947 and you're ready to upgrade Mm -hmm. because we all need air conditioning now. It's just wonderful to be able to go to a company like yours that have this mission of not only promoting, but as you said, um, running the interference. You're right. You want to get in touch with your plumber and you don't realize he's out of town. And guess what? You're, You're liable to lose some business because of that. And maybe you didn't mm-hmm. think, oh, shoot, I really do need to put that message on my phone um, just in case somebody calls. So, I mean, I just think what you're doing is fabulous. And, Mark, you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Thank you so you much. Start. Well, I mean that sincerely. And I know that you, you mentioned in the beginning that you started your business in 2005. But I'd be just curious, what was the inspiration? How did you even get the idea to even do this to start with? Yeah, well, your story about um, working with the computer technician it kind of reminds me of how, how we started Neighbor to Neighbor. Um, we had purchased a, kind of a rundown duplex. That might be an understatement. It might have been more of a, like an ex-crack house in Venice <laughs> Beach, um, and it needed a lot of work, and we were on a budget. And um, so I sort of worked as a general contractor, not knowing anything about general contracting. Um, but we worked with a whole variety of people. Um, but because I was there all the time, I kind of saw what was happening. And everyone that we uh, worked with, they were all people that we, um, you know, had come recommended to us from friends or neighbors or other people. And some of these folks were, they're still friends, you know, like <laughs> lifelong friends they've become. Um, and others were a complete nightmare that I hope to never see again as long as I live. <laughs> and um, so let's just say that kind of inspired us to think, well, what if we did just put together a guide sort of spotlighting the businesses that are really good and, um, you know, kind of create a, like a neighborhood guide. So it started there in Venice Beach in our Airstream trailer. Mm. And, uh, yeah, that was our first And there office. you are. Yeah. That's, that's, that's. That's that's a ter- that's a terrific business story, and I suppose, Mar, it kind of leads me into asking you this: what what's the process? Because you're helping businesses, but you are now beginning your own business. So what was yeah. that process like of starting your own? business? Oh, interesting. It was interesting. Cool, hard like, 
Yeah. What was, you, what was <laughs> that one of us? I said School of Hard Knocks. <laughs> oh, there you go. All right. Yeah. Well, School of Hard Knocks. So- yeah, we neither my, – my dad actually runs an MBA program, or he used to. He's retired now in, um, in Vancouver at Simon Fraser University. So, but I had never had any interest in running a business or becoming an entrepreneur or anything. I was either going to be a teacher, or a filmmaker, you know, whatever, different things. But this was this business idea that we had. And so we really didn't, um, you know, we knew, knew a lot of the components like writing and photography, et cetera, et cetera. But l- running a business requires a lot of creativity, a lot of energy, and um, we didn't we didn't realize that when, <laughs> when we were starting, but so it was yeah, a steep it, learning curve it, basically. Yeah, and go if ahead. What do you want to say, Mark? On here, well, Please. I was going to say in addition to that that yeah, we didn't really have a business model, and we hadn't thought through some of these very basic things that you know small businesses all learn how to do or or have already learned before they start a small business. So one of the things that things that's kind of ironic about this business is, um, yeah. you know, we did, as I mentioned earlier, we didn't really want to disparage. We didn't want to just be sort of a, a bulletin board where people say whatever about businesses. We wanted to find those businesses that we thought were really good and and spotlight those. Well, then who mm-hmm. pays for it, you know? I mean, in a sense, at that point, it really becomes advertising for the businesses. And, I had always kind of hated advertising. I always saw it as a sort of uh, amoral sort of, you know, I mean, like <laughs> I, I appreciate the craft that goes into it and the, the genius and the beauty and all of that, graphic design and so on. But it always bothered me that it would just, that oftentimes that uh, advertising companies would just advertise whoever. And I used to say to our kids all the time, you know, beware of advertising. They're really manipulating you and so on. Well, next thing I know, I suddenly, (laughs) Mara and I have kind of stumbled into the advertising business without even thinking about it as such. But, you know, we promote businesses that we, that we believe in. And so I think that makes it, you know, I think that makes it okay. Sure. Yeah. There's another, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say there was another weird weird thing that happened when just after we started the business was that um, Angie's List and Yelp sort of started right around the same time. And all of a sudden we, you know, it's like everyone had this idea except for it's um, they were, you know, had the money, the venture capital and everything to be, you know, every time you turn on NPR or whatever, you would hear um, advertising for Angie's List and things like that. So that was a little but, you know, we're we're able to do it in a different way, hyper local and personal mm-hmm. and ethical and everything. But the, when we were starting the business, it was like, whoa, what do we get ourselves into? Yes, yes. Well, so here you are. You're a couple, and now you're working together as a couple. A lot of couples do that. Um, a lot of a lot of couples start businesses together. But I'd like to know. I'd like both of your opinions on this. What's it like working together as a couple? One of you can go, and the next can come right back in afterwards. What do you think? Every day um, is oh. pure heaven. Uh, <laughs> okay, try and top that. Me, no, I really. Say, uh, How's that for sugar daughter, coating it? Oh, beautiful. 
Well, our our daughter for we had our thirtieth anniversary um, in October, and um, mm-hmm. our daughter wrote a little speech because she's out of town, and um, her godmother, who's my best friend, read it out loud at the dinner table, and she got every she got a big laugh of it out of everyone because she said what a bad idea it was to go into business together as a couple, but that you know <laughs> somehow. We had made it work, and actually, no other couples that that really kilowatt heating and electric heating, air conditioning, electric. They're a really solid, really sweet, wonderful couple as well. So it's it's definitely challenging. It's hard, and and it's you have to learn how to sort of separate the the work time from the family time from the if you go out on a date, <laughs> you know, not to talk mm-hmm. about the business and things like that. Mm-hmm. Mark, do you have mm-hmm. anything else you want to say? Um, well, I think it helps that we have complementary skills and interests. You know, Mara does a lot of the contact with the businesses and the public, um, as well as writing. Um, and I uh, do a lot of the graphics work uh, and photography and uh, kind of the um, the messaging. I work on the messaging, the storytelling aspects of it, and uh, and. You know, all kidding aside, we work together well, and I, you know, I always look to Mara for, um, she has a very high level of integrity, so when complaints mm. come up or things things come along that are challenges, I always trust Mara's judgment in those things, and I don't know, maybe nice. it's because you're Canadian, Mara, but for whatever Please. reason, no. I, 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 yeah. And, you know, now that's, our kids are old enough, so they've, they've been able to work in the business, too, doing data input and things like that. So that's been nice as well to see. Yeah. You know, I don't know that they'll stay in the business, but, um, you know, they're, just, they're definitely learning a lot from it, as are we every day. Yeah. Our kids. I think that's, yeah. Yes, but that's, you are um, um, displaying for them how cooperation works. And yes, you. I would imagine you. You have to have complementary skills, and so that I mean, it's not that it has to be. Well, I did this, so now you need to do that. You, you, mm-hmm. you you've been doing this for for 13 years. It, this is not new to you, at this point. And I know we're going to be talking a little bit later into the show what else you do together, but I do think that this is this is really interesting. How how frequently do you? post your directories? Is it quarterly? Is it biannually? How often do you update your directories? The online well, the, the version is every week is updated. Uh, the print oh. directory, we print once a year, but we mail it throughout the year to different areas of Los Angeles. Got yeah, it. so we have like well, the West Side area. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, we have the West Side area, we have the San Fernando Valley, the San Gabriel Valley, and what we were wrestling with the name for a long time, we just sort of settled on Central, which sort of goes from the 405 East to Silver Lake. So those four okay. areas. Yeah. That's, and that's then a, online, that's we a, also have a little bit further of a reach. That's That's a lot. And mm-hmm. do you find that the categories differ from community to community are they pretty much are people still look looking for plumbers and you know electricians for sure, and yeah. things like that mhm 
They, yeah. but but do the I bet the nonprofits might differ a little bit from community to community, right? Well, that's not, right. I mean, it depends on yeah, the one. They, some some like the Theodore Payne Foundation or Tree People. They're they're um, citywide. They reach out throughout mm-hmm. the community. Others are more locally based. For example, like the um, Bion- Bionic Creek Wetlands. Wetlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Bionic Creek. Well, what about Bionic Creek Renaissance is um, a watershed or based organization, and they're so they're in the the Bionic Creek watershed, which extends from the central area to the west side to the to the Santa Monica Bay. So they're in two of our editions. Wonderful. Or there's like friends of friends of foster care San Gabriel Valley, and they're a group that supports mm. foster children in the San Gabriel Valley, or Elizabeth House in the San Gabriel Valley that that supports pregnant homeless women basically or families um and then we spark is in that's a cancer support group and they support people all over the la area but they're located in san fernando valley so the you know it's regional in terms of that sometimes they have a larger reach um Mm -hmm. and then sometimes they're more more localized but we we really focus on los angeles area based nonprofits not national nonprofits so you know, although the three of us have never actually met face to face, I feel a very strong connection to both of you. And oh. if you know anything about me, just hearing what you were saying about some of those nonprofits, you know. Now I'm going to go to your directory, and I'm going to look these folks up, and I'm going to okay. see if they'd like to be a guest on my show. Because oh, while have, it's yeah. very well, you know, because that's the beauty of this. And while it's very true that we are localized, we are we are in an area where we live, and if you live in another part of the country, you're not likely to call the computer guy to come fix your computer. But it is still what's relevant to me about why this show is still really important, regardless of where you live, is it's inspiring and it's educational. And it allows people to hear... Maybe somebody's listening and, and they're a couple and it's like, you know what? We both love music. Why don't we develop a music program together? This couple has been together for 15 years and we love interpretive dance and you like to dance and you can play the piano. We ought to think about doing something like that. You just never know where a conversation sparks an idea. And I think that is absolute beauty of social media number one you're never going to hear me talk about the downside i'm not going to get involved in somebody's political rants because i'm not interested in that so i just ignore it doesn't mean i'm going to get off of facebook or twitter or instagram i'm still going to be interested in hearing the stories that make people's lives so satisfying including my own including my own. This Wednesday, I've been invited to speak at one of the local Rotary Clubs. And it's like, well, what are you going to talk about? I'm going to talk about me. I'm going to talk about my life from being a widow to being a a talk show host for over three and a half years every single week. And certainly I've had some repeat guests because my guests continue to grow in their business or their passions. It's like, well, where are you now? You know, so I love having people come back and and rejoin me. But I think that 
there's not enough emphasis on what's good. And if nothing else, when I hang up the phone call after a great talk show like we're having right now, I feel a sense of satisfaction. And that's important too. You know, this, this, this has to be a winning situation for me as well. And every week I get off the phone going, wow, that was really great. I just love that show. So, um, <laughs> and speaking of successes, I mean, I'm sure you must have some successes and some challenges. Um, do you want to share maybe a success story and perhaps um, something of a challenge before we start talking about the incredible work you're doing in Idlewild? I'd, I'd love to hear a couple of stories. Hmm. Well, um, um, you know, we have uh, quite a few businesses. I mean, actually, we hear pretty regularly from businesses that they get a lot of businesses from neighbor to neighbor and that they um, that are that the readers are really nice people. A lot of times they'll tell us that when a guy, we, one company that's been with us since 2005, Eric Mueller of All City Hardwood Floors said, when they get a neighbor to neighbor call, um, the guy will, someone will call and just say, hey, Eric, and he'll think it's a friend on the phone because, you know, the reader <laughs> already knows quite a bit about his company before he even makes the call. So that always, you know, the idea that we're kind of spreading this neighborly vibe, if you will, is something mm-hmm. that I think we feel good about, definitely. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I had two things that came to mind, and one is um, just like ha- helping um, companies really, like the, their success has been built on their exposure through neighbor to neighbor. So there's a company that's no longer with us anymore because they've grown to the point where they can really select um, the jobs that they're taking and they have more work than they need. And that was Glenn design build. And we met them. They were before they had kids and, you know, she wasn't quite a licensed architect yet, but they had both gone through SciArc design school and he's a general contractor and they built up from 2005 until like two years ago, they were always with us. And last time I talked to them, they were saying they still got about 60% of their work from neighbor to neighbor. And that just makes me feel really good about supporting them. They're super nice people, extremely creative, very high level of customer satisfaction and everything. And another thing is just the, that we have had success with getting the nonprofits and the companies together. So Gabor and Allen, that's actually another design build company, has um, partnered with um, an organization in South Los Angeles called A Place Called Home, and they provide sort of wraparound support services for at-risk youth there from like five years old until even through college. And um, they, Gabor and Allen has done two things with them. One of them is they've taken um, kids who are high school age in as interns, and they'll show them how to do um, AutoCAD, which is a sort of architect uh, tool for, for drawing um, architectural plans and whatnot. And um, just having them be in this office um, environment and everything so that they can learn, like, mm-hmm. they can have exposure to different kinds of environments and what they've been a lot of them, it's like they're, they are the first ones in their family ever to go to college, you know, and they're heading toward college. And so it's sort of like preparing them for a more professional life. And then they, the other thing that Gabor and Allen did is they redid um, the whole entryway of a place called home. 
So making it um, more green, more beautiful, more welcoming, and also safe. So it's a pretty rough neighborhood. And so they had a lot of stuff involved in there. And they're, they're, um, I'm pretty sure, I'm not totally sure, but I'm pretty sure they were donating their services for that, if not extremely discounted. So sure. um, that, to me, is a big success. You bet. We we, I've, I've, we should probably. Well, I'm just wondering if we should we should probably also mention Christmas 2008, which was you know oh, yeah. really a tough yeah. time for business businesses. And just in brief, we had we were we were having a really tough time with the business ourselves, and we're wondering you know we hadn't been profitable, and it's been a really a challenge up until then, and we were thinking about dropping it, and we had all these businesses tell us, no, you can't you can't drop neighbor to neighbor you can't quit because without you we wouldn't have had a Christmas you know things. so just knowing that um, mm. you know when, when times were tough that the businesses were counting on neighbor to neighbor readers for to keep their own you know companies afloat and, and of course they all have employees that depend on them so anyway sure. That's, so what are your goals moving forward I mean do you do you, what are your what are you what's your aspirations in the next few years? Do you look to expand even larger? Um, yeah, I and, mean, Mark, do you want to talk about that? We're, uh, we're really we're going to most we try to expand organically. We're, you know, we're not we're not a we don't have a high growth model. <laughs> we are trying to just do what we do really well and keep the directory as as trustworthy as possible. Actually, when we do let businesses go, a lot of times they're ones that grew too fast and their service really starts to decline. I think you mentioned possibly something like that with the computer tech earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do start to receive complaints when businesses get too big. So we're not, we're not like, you know, uber growth driven. Um, but we want to, um, you know, moving forward, we just want to, keep building the directories. Uh, we, we do think about doing a South Bay and a Caneo Valley version, but mainly we want to just... That was what I was wondering. Know, yeah, I was wondering yeah. if you were looking to expand, not not make the, the, the spots that you're currently in, not putting 12,000 plumbers there, but taking Mm-mm. services and, and growing it across the city. I was just curious if, if you see yourself yeah. doing something like that in the future. Yeah, we want and, to definitely, you know, make it work for everybody and just keep building sure. a high-quality directory. And then we also want to develop more content and start telling more stories as you're telling stories. That's the goal of mm-hmm. ours as well is to expand the storytelling aspect of Neighbor to Neighbor. Terrific. How can people, because we haven't really mentioned it, and I think it's important for people that are listening, maybe they didn't see the blog and, and, and they don't realize that neighbor to neighbor is it's one word, but the two is the numeric. So if people just go to neighbor to neighbor LA, they will be able actually, to N, find you. N, N, actually, N to N dot LA. Yeah, it's N to N dot LA. Good. And then Thank they could they re- could subscribe. They can email if they want to receive a handbook in the mail. We'd be happy to send one to them and putting on our them on our subscribe list. And they just have to write it to subscribe at n two n dot l a, and that's the numeral two. And then our number. Mm-hmm. They could also just call us if they just want to sure. call. That would be three one zero. 
Yeah, 310-857-7768. 310-857-7768. Awesome. And, and that's very that's... quickly, and very that's quickly, right. let me just jump in and say if your listeners, um, one of our biggest challenges is finding those great services, getting those referrals. So if uh, people like the idea of what we're doing, we're always eager to hear about the great companies that are out there, the great service providers. Yeah, oh, and we give $10 terrific. for for every referral that people give, we give $10 to a nonprofit of their choice. Oh, I love that. I love that. And because you know what? When you do come across that perfect person that maybe is the window washer and is thinking, oh, my gosh, I, need, I have a two-story home and I'm not going to get out there and wash my windows, you start talking to your neighbors and they say, oh, have mm-hmm. you called this guy? I use that guy too. Really? Do you have his number? That's why not take that information and share it with you guys because maybe that's somebody and, you don't have, and wouldn't that be great? Yeah. And, then, and then for you to donate that to a nonprofit, I mean, my goodness, that's, that's pretty cool, really cool. Win, win, win. Absolutely. Yep. And speaking about that, I want to – kind of take our show in a little bit different direction in the time remaining for people that are listening and they're listening currently and maybe if you're listening to this show two months from now this will not be the case but the fires in California are just devastating so many locations so many people there's there have been deaths there's been displaced people that have lost everything um you know, around the clock to combat these fires all up and down our our state. And where you live um, is in Idlewild, and I don't know that most people even know where Idlewild is. So could you kind of tell us about that? Um, Yeah. Did I lose you? There. No, no, we're here. (laughs) <laughs> Idlewild is about two hours east of Los Angeles on the 10. If you ever go to Palm Springs, for example, and you see that big right. mountain up there, Idlewild is at the top of the mountain, so at about a mile high. Um, and mm-hmm. we moved out here, just to segue, we moved out here um, in 2008. Um, we, the, the house that Mark um, remodeled and did all that work with, we owned it with a friend, and she wanted to sell at the height of the market. And um, Ooh, it, we nice. um, decided it was – the value had gone up so much we couldn't even afford to buy her half of the place. And so mm-hmm. we were looking at um, did we want to just go away for a little while and try something new and, you know, et cetera. So we, we felt a pull to give it a go and just try Idlewild. And we've been there here since then, and it's nice because it's, it's still really – I mean, we could still go into L.A. for the day. And um, mm-hmm. so it's, we still feel close, but we don't have to be in L.A. every single day. And we do come in frequently. It's just that it's, it's – um, yeah, we're close enough, but we can still work at home. So that is where we are, and we were recently evacuated with the Cranston fire. That was mm-hmm. scary. That was, um, I bet it was scary. Yeah, we had, we had actually been in LA for a month working, and we came back at like 3 p.m. We unpacked, we made some dinner, we went to sleep, we got up, we went for a hike, we came back, and we evacuated. <laughs> Whoa! It Do you have dogs? Very. We have a dog. Yeah, we have a dog, and we have one car between us, and um, 
So you have to sort of pile everything that you'll ever want for the rest of your life in the car in 45 minutes. And hope you come home to your home. Yes, exactly. That's right. Yeah. And we were very fortunate. Is this where the tramway is, where you where you see people that will park and take the, this this tram up to the top of the mountain? Is that is that where um, Idlewild is? Or in those mountains, that? yes, those are okay, the mountains. Those mountains. There's the San Jacinto Mountains, and there's the San south Jacinto. of the San Bernardino okay. Mountains, where okay. Big Bear and Lake Arrowhead are. Where the mountains, they call it a sky island. Where the sky island to the south of um, the San Bernardino Mountains, and directly west cool. of Oxford. Mm-hmm. 
um, even save the town because we think the town actually relies upon the health of the forest for its health. So, uh, again, in a way you can think of it as like being more neighborly with the forest around us. Uh-huh. Yeah, and let me let me just say that when, when you have all those tiny trees coming up, um, and what it does is you get like what are called ladder fuels that even if you have some big trees, those little trees carry the fire up to the canopy in the tree, and that's when you end up having the trees burnt from the roots to the top, and that's when the trees die. If they're just singed at the bottom, then the trees can, they, they even appreciate a bit of fire because sometimes the, the seeds require heat to open and reseed and everything. Hmm. But it's really the natural conditions of these heavy fuel loads. And then on top of it, you have droughts, you have climate change, you have weakened trees, which um, bark beetle prey upon. And then you end up having just the exacerbated problem of more and more dead biomass and fuels that just like burn everything. Yeah, it's, it's wow. really important for people to understand that fire itself is really not the problem. Um, you know, these forests are, for, are fire adapted and have been for millennia, you know. The problem is uh, that when the fuel loads get too high, then you get what we call a catastrophic megafire, and that takes out everything. It burns even the big trees. And it burns so deeply into the soil that the, the important microorganisms and everything for regrowth can also uh, be damaged. And, you know, basically if that happens, then the forest uh, quite possibly will never come back, especially under climate change conditions. Mm. And, and related to climate change as well, in terms of uh, black carbon, it's the forest fires in the state that are, um, the largest contributor to black carbon. And um, so, you know, from a climate change perspective, we really have to get ahead of this too, rather than just kind of chasing these fires as we are now. What is black carbon for those of us that don't know? Black carbon is one of the uh, most uh, toxic greenhouse gas emissions and, uh, you know, an important um, an important part of climate change and, and global warming. I see. So what are some of the challenges that you guys are facing as you put this project together? I would imagine there are definitely some challenges. So I well, have I, we really just no, described what the, the, the project is, too? Like what well, exactly we're... Maybe not. Yeah. Please, let's do that. Let's do that. that that's ideal. Yes, please, let's do that, Mar. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, well, the uh, do you want to go ahead, Mark? Do you want to explain the? Yeah, Mark, um, go ahead. Do you want to go ahead and explain yeah. what what your what your what what is your mission for this for the for um you know let's talk a little bit about what your intentions are. Well, our main intention, I would say, is to um, support a lot of the efforts that are already taking place in terms of. We have a fire safe council up here that works on um, uh, fuel abatement, uh, you know, fuel abatement, and so on. And then they also provide um, firewood for um, residents who are uh, economically disadvantaged. So we could expand mm -hmm. their efforts. Um, the Forest Service does some for um, some controlled burns and so on, but they could do more. Um, you know, it's 
it's really expensive to thin a forest. And um, so, you know, the main, our main goal is finding a way to make that economically viable. And so we're looking at different options. One of the more interesting ones right now is the idea of um, biochar. Biochar is basically, you can think of it as charcoal um, that could be left, uh, left after a fire. But there's a way to uh, take forest uh, biomass material basically woody material and um, mm-hmm. through this process called pyrolysis you can create charcoal and um, when the charcoal is used as an agricultural amendment it actually becomes um, it makes soil incredibly rich the richest soil in, on hmm. earth is in the Amazon it's called terra prieta and uh, they used to think well they didn't they found out that for centuries and centuries, the Incans were putting charcoal in the soil. And basically what happens when you put uh, biochar in the soil is it becomes like a condominium for beneficial bacteria and microorganisms. <laughs> if you, your listeners can think of it as um, sinking a, a wooden ship in the, in, the, in the ocean, all this life will start to form around the ship. So with, uh, you know, our depleted soils in the state from um, you know the ag business and big ag- big agriculture and so on. Biochar could be a really helpful ingredient. And another important point about it is that for every uh, gram of biochar that you put in the soil, it retains up to six grams of uh, water. So we have this oh. issue in the state of drought, and so there's just all kinds of really interesting possibilities on the biochar mm-hmm. front. Yeah, and there's and the government is extremely interested in it in developing it as well. And there's a lot of testing going on. I'm on this biochar Yahoo group, and there's testing going on all over the world for all sorts of soil and climate conditions. And they're finding all kinds of applications, including you know it pulling toxins from the soil, um, drought conditions, etc. So rather than having all this carbon go up into the air and exacerbating climate change conditions, we would actually be sequestering carbon back into the soil. And, um, yeah, it just looks extremely um, interesting. So that's one avenue that we're looking at of many. So I, I wanted to say, too, just that the, recently with the Cranston fire, there was a um, – an interesting thing that happened, it was actually someone in our group, is he does firefighting and also forest spinning and fire breaks for a living. And he was hired by our this Idlewild Arts Academy up here. Um, the director or one of the, the administrators up there, John Newman, wrote a grant to the federal government for $250,000 to thin the forest fuel break, basically, which doesn't mean cutting down all the trees. It means taking out the small trees, taking out the, the dead dying trees, taking out the mm-hmm. small bushes, et cetera. And the, fi- the Cranston fire was roaring up the side of the mountain straight for the campus. And it's the second that it hit, you can see it. We walked through it. The second that it hit that fire break, that fuel break, it laid down on the ground and the firefighters were able to get in there and protect the entire the campus, but it, ultimately the entire town. Also, when they were doing the fire retardant drops, there was space between the trees, so they were actually able to reach the ground and get the retardant where it needed to be. And so you can see, it's, it's like if you walk to the end of that fuel break, 
it's like a moonscape. It's really, it takes your breath away, the, the, the destruction. Mm. And then you take a couple, you turn around and pivot, and literally within five feet, you're seeing scorched bottom, and the, the ground um, is scorched, mm. and the bottoms of the trees are scorched, and the tops of the trees are perfectly intact and beautiful and no big deal. It's, it's very, it's, it's stunning. Yeah. 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 You've, you've, you've kind of drawn a beautiful picture. And another thing, um, you know, Mother Nature is probably my favorite mother of all mothers. And um, I'm thinking, okay, so you were talking about the devastation of the trees and the ground and all of that stuff. What about the animals? Where, where, the where animals do the raccoons are terrible. Go? They, they, oh, they get burnt up horrid. or they're, they're, they're coming. I mean, I had a, heard a lot of reports of every kind of critter coming through everyone's yards, you know, so between mountain lions, coyotes, even snakes and deer and bunnies mm-hmm. and everyone was just fleeing as quickly as they could. It's really, or even a friend of ours who owns but, a place in the desert was saying that the hot, there were hawks coming down from the mountains trying to get away. Oh. What were you going to say? And those are the ones that can, those are the creatures that can get away. When you walk out, yeah. there, you see dead lizards and, you know, uh, we didn't walk that far, but you definitely start to see mm-hmm. the ones, of course, that can't get away in time. So, yeah, yeah. And I think it's important to understand that. And because some people that are very, um, you know, concerned about the forests um, and very well-meaning, um, they'll be concerned about um, the idea of forest thinning. That, that will seem kind of like a violent act and so on. But, you know, we're advocating the kind of forest thinning where you have a biologist come out first. You make sure that, you know, it's not nesting season, for example. And it's, mm-hmm. it's done as sensitively as possible. Uh, again, because from our perspective, really the health of the forest does come first. So in terms of challenges, yeah. which you were asking about earlier, I'd say mm-hmm. one of the biggest challenges is just, you know, like climate change, like our economic um, problems at this point, you know, I, these are really, really complex issues. And I think one of the, the most challenging things is just how polarized people have become around some of these issues and finding ways to communicate them in such a way that people can kind of open up to other possibilities other than, Mm-hmm. You know, the first thing that comes to mind and really research these things carefully and closely and um, just, you know, spreading a, a feeling of openness, I think, is really important. I would agree. How, what's, I have no idea. And I, and I didn't ask, I didn't tell you ahead of time I was going to ask this question. So you might not have the answer. But what's the population um, there? What, how like many, around 3,500 Okay, and is that full-time people or, or people that live there and other places as well? I've I never been sure about that. I've always thought that was 3,500 full-time people. Full-time. full-time. I thought it was too, but right. probably some of them, they, they're people who use it as their main address, but probably some people are not up here full-time, and they. Uh-huh. I'm, okay. I'm not exactly sure. Right. You know, and I, I, I don't, have to say, I don't, yeah. Well, I would love to say, just uh, get in here, that, you know, we'd never lived in a small town, neither of us, before we moved to Idlewild. And in terms of this idea of neighborliness and everything, it was really interesting to move someplace where you are kind of all in it together in a way. And, um, 
in a city, sometimes you won't necessarily hang out as much with people on the other side of the political spectrum. And in a small town, you're kind of forced to. And mm-hmm. in that process, um, you just find how much common ground there really is outside of these sort of more dogmatic paradigms out there. Like, there's just mm-hmm. a lot of kindness and generosity in people when Lovely. they feel um, yeah, supported and together in things. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it's it's very it's very neighborly, and I I must say that 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 word, as someone that's lived in my neighborhood my entire life, I lived in the community of Westchester my entire life, lived in my wow. home since 1973. Um, I worked at my local YMCA. I'm very embedded in my own community, and it means a great deal to me. And um, listening to your stories about, first of all, your directories and the n2n.la.com is, you know, people or can not find com. out about this. Oh, what is it? It's not, what's, just what's it? Sorry, so there's sorry. Not LA. <laughs> yeah, there's Say no dot again. com I'm be... at the end. Just enter n2n.la. That'll get people there. Okay. Yeah. You know, you can't do these takeovers. This is live. I don't have an editor. So if I, if I mess up, well, I mess up. But, but that doesn't matter. It, it, what matters is that I genuinely care about having you as my guest and, hmm. and the things that you're doing, not only in your community of Idlewild, but what you're doing here in the Southern California area. I could see where maybe somebody might be listening in San Diego going, ooh, I think it'd be really cool to have something like that by my house. But, you know, who knows what, where you'll be um, five years from now. But I can tell sure. you this, um, it's a one-hour show. And believe it or not, I knew it would happen. We get to the end of the hour, and it's like, really, we could probably keep talking. But I want to respect the fact that you have things to do, and I, I would, I'd like my, I'd just like to thank you both, and Margarita, thank you so much for the connection. I'm just delighted to have had you guys both join me today. It was just been a blast. Thank you so much. This has been really fun. Absolutely, good. Marcia. Thank you. And you're our first podcast well, ever, so. Yeah. Oh, good. Good. Well, you can do it again. And you know, the most honestly, the most difficult thing because I go back and I critique my own work, and that is, you know, we're not facing one another. We're not able to read our body language because we're not even in the same room. And so, there's always that sort of interruption aspect of my show that I wish I didn't do. It's it's I can't help myself. It's just part of a conversation, and my head is nodding up and down while I'm listening to you, and then I want to clarify, and and so I do apologize if that can be a little disconcerting to the listeners, but I think the main focus and the main purpose is to be able to have you tell your story, and if you feel that you got that out there, then it, it's a win for me, and I'm I'm just thrilled to have you be a part of my experience and my small business, you know. So um, thank you so much. Lovely. My my pleasure. And so everybody, if all goes well, next week my dentist not my dentist. Did I say my dentist? This is what I mean about <laughs> um live show. My eye doctor, my optometrist is gonna be on my show next week and talking about eye care. I think it's a fascinating subject. Maybe I should have my dentist too, you never know. Anyway, but until next time everybody, have a wonderful week. Be safe. You guys be safe as well, and I'll look forward to having you join me again next week. So long for now.
Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need a smartphone with an awesome camera. Got anything to fit a new dad's budget? Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. And now you can get $50 off on select phones $99 and up. My relatives won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like diaper duty. Discover the Total Wireless Stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in L.A. Limited time offer in 63018. Available while supplies last. Porting required for a non-track phone brand. Offer only available at Total Wireless Stores. Visit store for details. Welcome to the Total Wireless Store, where total confidence awaits. I need a smartphone with an awesome camera. Got anything to fit a new dad's budget? Don't worry. You got this with Total Wireless. And now you can get $50 off on select phones $99 and up. My relatives won't miss a thing. Now you can focus on the important stuff, like diaper duty. Discover the Total Wireless Stores and get total confidence. The latest phones, the best network, all at great prices. Now open in L.A. Limited time offer in 63018. Available while supplies last. Important required for a non-track phone brand. Offer only available at Total Wireless Stores. Visit store for details. 